and welcome back to another episode of Relatable Chapters. Today I'm joined with Lani of Body. <laughs> I did write Adams, but it is Body. How's it going? Good, how are you? <laughs> Great. Um, so Lani was my yoga buddy fucking years ago now. Oh, pre, pre-COVID I think And um, that's why I remember it as Adams. Yep. So pre-COVID is a long time ago. <laughs> and at one of these turning points is uh, you actually... Settling down and getting married, so that's where we changed the last name to Body. Mm, we sure did. <laughs> pretty easy name to remember, eh? Oh, it is. Um, Adams was also a pretty easy yeah. um, name to remember, but I feel like Lani is such an odd first name, and now I have to clarify my first and my last name to people, so... <laughs> <laughs> they, um, I did check out a reminder on my phone, it's like, Lania. <laughs> <laughs> Lania. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, start off with, what are three things you go for for today? Three things I'm grateful for today. Um, I am grateful for my health, always. Uh, I am grateful for my family, especially my husband and my, my little daughter, who you just met before. Um, and I'm grateful that you've invited me on the podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm uh, grateful for houseplants. I'm just looking at your ones around here. Oh, yeah. I fucking love them, eh? So it's an addiction. <laughs> They're so good. They're better than just art, you know. Like, oh, I agree. <laughs> so houseplants, um, grateful rain jackets. Mm-hmm. Needed that last night and this morning with all the outdoor workouts. And I'm grateful for washing machines. <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> yeah, well, I did my washing this morning and I was just thinking, I was just listening to a book, um, Sapiens, mm-hmm. which like talking about way back in the day and shit. And I was like, fuck, imagine trying to wash your dishes. Oh, not dishes. Uh, you're washing... Wash your sheets and shit. I used to wash them on those boards. Yeah, eh? by hand. Yeah, yeah. I need to go find a river. Like, <laughs> uh. um, so sticking with the normal theme, keynote themes. So your one, you've come to me with, um, even though it seems like the biggest deal at the time, being in quotation marks, cool, at high school doesn't determine how your life will be when you leave. Um, so this is something that you're... Um, you're quite passionate about or uh, would love to share with your younger self. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see how that kind of entwines with your journey. If it does or doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but first key turning point, leaving your high school boyfriend and moving to Hamilton to study. That's right, yeah. Um, so like how many years ago is this? Like 20? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. Well, when I was nine. <laughs> um, God, that would have been, well, 18 when I went to uni, so 11 years ago. It's quite God that's gone so fast. Um, yeah, so my high school boyfriend, we were together for quite a few years yeah. um, through high school, and he <laughs> he nice did question. smoke a oh yeah yeah welcome to lean on it. Um, he did smoke quite a bit of pot, <laughs> um, and he kind of just didn't really want to do the uni thing. You know, mm-hmm. he kind of dropped out of school a bit early and worked and. I kind of thought, oh, well, I'll just stay in Tauranga and stay with him and I'll just get a job and I won't do the whole uni mm. thing. Um, and it kind of came to a, a turning point. So I, I think I may have maybe applied for uni a week before applications closed. So it was kind of at the Pretty 11th late. hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just kind of thought, sh- you know, maybe there's more to life than staying in Tauranga and smoking pot. Mm. Not that I dabbled much. But so anyway, I made a very hard decision at the time to kind of break up with him and then move to Hamilton. Um, and go to university over here. So, yeah, that was probably like the, the biggest turning point, I think, up until that point in my life mm. where I had a really, I mean, I had a really good relationship, but 
I just thought, you know, I'm only 18. Surely the world yeah, has gone. You're still so young. Eh? So young. But at the time, you think you don't that, know that. No, you no. don't. And you think like, oh, I've I've lived. You know, like I'm growing. <laughs> yeah. But you're not. I look back on 18 year old me and I just laugh. <laughs> so one thing, what did you study and how did you know what to study coming out of high school? That's a hard one because when you're at high school, I'm sure you remember, mm. you'd have all like, the careers, fairs, and yeah, the universities yeah. would come. And at 18, you're essentially sitting down and trying to decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life, rest possibly. Your life, yeah. And that's a huge thing to decision to make at 17. The other 18. thing is you don't realise you can chop and change. Yeah. You feel like you're stuck in yeah. that, so you want to make the right decision the first time around. For sure, especially when you're throwing up quite a bit of cash yeah. to do it too, right? Yeah. Or getting a lot of debt to do it. Um so I ended up doing a uh, enrolling as a Bachelor of Management Studies. So mm-hmm. I think that was a four-year course through Waikato. Um, I did the first couple of weeks of it. And because it was kind of like an end-to-end business degree, there was a lot of like statistics and things like that in there. I've never been great at maths and I don't enjoy maths, um, which it's shocking. given what I <laughs> do now for work is, yeah, quite shocking. <laughs> Um, so I ended up changing to do a Bachelor of Social Science with a major in um, Human Resource Management and Marketing. So I kind of got what I wanted from the business side of things mm. without having to do the math side of things. <laughs> and it was a year shorter, so um, yeah, that's what I ended up doing. And I don't really know how I kind of came to a head. I always had an interest in Human Resource Management for some reason. Yeah. Um, sounds really corny, but you know, people are the most, any business's most important asset, so... Yeah. Um, and also, you know, there's a lot of kind of drama that goes on there, so it's always quite interesting. <laughs> so then your second turning point is a graduate program. So you got into finance. Yeah. How does like human resource management and stuff? Oh, it doesn't. Not liking maths. Oh, I have no idea. So when It doesn't, my head doesn't compute at oh, all. Oh, it doesn't. And even my mum was like, how on earth has this happened? <laughs> even now I'm kind of struggling to figure out how I've developed yeah. a career in finance. But I think at the end of uni – they kind of bring in, you know, similar to being in high school and you have the careers fairs, they bring in the graduate programs. Mm. And when I was at uni, and I don't know if it's the same now, they're very much apply for grad programs. They are your way forward. Mm. Apply for this, apply for that, rah, rah, rah. So you've got like Fonterra and Main Freight and all the main banks and and all of that. So I applied for one of the big banks for a graduate program mm. and I got accepted. And I, no one was more shocked than I was. So was it kind of <laughs> just like a... Okay, that's that's my career now. Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I applied for many different graduate mm. programs. Um, it wasn't, it didn't have my heart set on this one. And this was the first one that kind of came through. And I think that year they had like a thousand applications for that graduate program and they only took about 40 people. So I think like getting offered that, I felt quite chuffed to, yeah, yeah. and quite honoured to get that. So I was like, I'd be stupid to, to throw this in. Yeah. So I took it, not knowing anything about finance yep. or n- pretty much doing the bare minimum at school for, for math so I could get into university and then developing this career in what is now commercial commercial finance. Were you not nervous or anything? Like oh, yeah. no red flag, like what the fuck am I doing? Oh, I don't know. I kind of went, just on, I went <laughs> off on a whim. Just. Yeah, I guess so. Like I think it didn't take much convincing for me to do it. Yeah. Like they offered it to me. The salary was pretty good for, you know, I was 21. I was yeah. sitting there being like, oh my gosh, it's my first salary and I've got this grade program and I've heard that it's it's a really great program and it can set you up in this business or in this industry for life. Yeah. And I kind of just hoped that other graduates who were in there were also doing it on a whim. You know, I kind of was like, oh, we all, we all don't know what we're doing, but yeah. they'll teach us. And I kind of figured that they hire based on fit. 
rather than what you know. Because so you can, fit in the team, you mean? Well, yeah, or even just um, like personality styles. Yeah. You know, you have to be a certain type of person to, to do this, that or the other. But they can teach you everything that you need to know, like the tangible skills for the mm. job. So, yeah. So this is, yeah, your second turning point. Get into a graduate program for the large bank, mm-hmm. um, starting your career in finance. Mm-hmm. How was this a important step at the time for you? Uh, well, I... Just a natural progression. Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up in Tauranga, so when I came over to Hamilton for university, I truly thought once I finished university, I would leave Hamilton. I didn't know where I would go, but I was, I was, I'm not going to be stuck in Hamilton because Hamilton's a shithole. I don't believe that now, but at the time, <laughs> I, I thought Hamilton say, was a shithole. I know, <laughs> as we sit here in yeah. Hamilton in my yeah. house. Um, so, I think when they offered me the grad program and it was based in Hamilton, that almost kind of. Yeah, I guess was a huge turning point in my life because I genuinely didn't think mm. that I would end up being here. Um, but kind of as we'll kind of go through the rest of my life, it worked out well that I ended up staying in mm. Hamilton because, you know, that's where I met my now husband and, you know, I guess the rest everything is history. Flows, yeah. yeah, everything kind of flows nicely from there. So, yeah. Do you think anyone goes into finance thinking it's their passion? I don't know. <laughs> I've got a lot of friends who are accountants. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, do you love it? And they're like, yeah, we love it. But you sit down and you think, an accountant, like, how boring. Yeah. But I don't know, when I say I work in finance, it's such a, there's such a wide breadth of what finance mm. is. It's like me and engineering. Yeah. Like, so many different engineering. 100%. Types, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I never thought, if someone had to say to me, like, Lani, you're going to end up having a career in finance, mm. I would have been like, oh, snoozeville, like, no thanks. Yeah. But now that I'm in it, or when I started to get into it, there's actually so much more to it. But there's different, like, say, if you're looking after, say, companies mm. or whatever, then mm. that's where your passion is, making sure that your your clientele thrives out. Yeah. So that's where you kind of get the, I don't know what you Satisfaction Yeah, from. satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not. It's not sitting down and crunching numbers. crunching numbers and sitting behind a desk mm. in a dark room. It's more about relationships, like a lot of businesses are. Like in the commercial aspect of mm. banking, it's all about relationships. So, so how often do you achieve like one-on-ones with your customers? Oh, constantly. Yeah? Yeah, constantly. Obviously, at the moment, I'm on maternity leave. Yeah. But when I was working, we would see customers multiple times a day. So if you're a people's person, you'd probably enjoy Love the it. job. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then the number crunching is just the downside of the job, basically. Well, yeah, but I mean, we've got so many spreadsheets and calculators and yeah, tools and <laughs> it kind of all just does it for you. You're really, I think with my job, you're really taking the numbers that are already there and you're making a story out of it. You're kind of just turning it into a a story, mm-hmm. you know, like they've got these numbers are saying X, Y, Z and this is what this means. Yeah. So... So yeah. Inf- yeah, you're telling a story to inform them of what's going on, basically. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, but the accounting side's kind of already done. So if yeah. you've just got to read a set of financials, be able to read a set of financials yeah, and understand yeah. what's going on there, and then you're kind of just making a story out of it. <laughs> Do you think your whole degree, you're only using a small fraction of what you studied? I truly believe I use none of my degree yeah. in my day-to-day job. <laughs> but I think maybe like the the outside non-academic things you learn from being mm. at university have held me in good stead. You know, things like time management and punctuality and, yeah. I don't know. There's just know, a lot like, of little things you learn as you go. Yeah, like things you don't learn in the classroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, moving from Tauranga to Hamilton to start uni, I had to manage my own time. I had mm. to motivate myself to get to university and do my assignments because the lecturers didn't give a crap if you didn't hand your assignments <laughs> in. You know, it was so different than when you were at school and they yeah. were chasing you for them. So I think all of 
those aspects I definitely use in my day-to-day life. Yeah. But the actual degree part, I don't. Yeah. But I don't think it's wasted because I don't think I would have got and I wouldn't have got into the it grade also program. also broadens your knowledge as well. Exactly, on 100%. Everything. No knowledge is wasted. Do you know what I mean? You can't mm. gain knowledge and it be wasted, like a time waste, waste of time, sorry. Yeah, because you learn either way. Exactly. You learn if it's a Even if you don't use it every day, time, yeah. I've just got this secret pocket of like information about HR that, yeah. <laughs> that I've just got sitting there until someone asks me a question. <laughs> I suppose you could always yeah, delve into another career pathway. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I think it's also a great way of teaching you how to learn. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Yep. Where did you study? You did Waikato. Waikato, yeah. You did, eh? That would have been a few years after me, though. You oh. probably started when I left. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you did four years at Waikato? Yeah. What did you think of the engineering department or degree at Waikato? Uh, I don't know. Like, like yours is very broad. Mm. You touch on a lot of different subjects, a lot of different things uh, that I didn't need. Um, we tapped alongside science quite a lot. Uh, yeah. And then our work placement and stuff, we did the same with science, but except science will get 10 points for their paper and we would get none because we already do enough points within our curriculum already. Yeah. So that was pretty disadvantaged. It was like, what the fuck, we're doing more work for nothing. <laughs> um, but that was, a, that was a good thing. Um, there would have been a math involved as well, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, fuck later, man. Like trigonometry and things like that? Oh, you think, you think high school's hard? Oh, what the fuck? I could never be an engineer, so hats off to you. There'd be more maths and engineering than there would be in my job, I guarantee it. Yeah, but then you think about my job, I don't use much maths. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, okay. If I do, it's just, um, say if um, I've got a product of pens Mm -hmm. going down a conveyor um, and I want them going at, uh, say, 10 pens a minute, then I need to calculate how fast the conveyor belt's going to go. That's the only maths I do. Oh, okay. But, like, that's it. Like, fuck me. Fuck. I feel like a lot of the maths that we learn at school, you don't use in your day-to-day The life. maths I learned at school, I used more than the maths I learned at university. At university? Because university is, like, fucking yonks. Like, yeah. you're, you're, you're calculating answers that are theories. You're calculating, like, mm. a theory to prove a theory, mm. but there's no actual answer. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're at high school, you ask the teacher, oh, Give us like a practical application, miss. And yeah. They're like, oh, if the boat's traveling at this speed, whatever. And you ask the uni lecturer, give us a practical application. They're like, it's a theory. It's just a theory. Yeah. That's not real. And <laughs> yeah, you're like, like oh. oh, what the fuck? Well, why are we doing this? Um, I always fail to see, like, I remember being at school, being like, when am I going to use algebra in my day to day life? Give yeah. me an example. And you know, to this day, I've not used algebra. But probably because of my career choice. I'm sure there'd be careers where you do use yeah. algebra on the regular, but definitely not. In my case. I think I, I do use like geometry in a way, just knowledge, because if I'm of um, designing different shapes, whatever, mm. then yeah, I do use like geometry, algebra and that. Definitely use like statistics. But like that differentiation, integration, mm. I don't like write them down. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. And yeah, there's always calculators online if I need to find something. Oh, I feel like the whole world's moving that way now. I feel like we're turning well, into a GPT. nation of lazy Lazy learners. Because you're like, I don't need to listen to that because yeah. I've got a calculator in my pocket at all times. Yeah. You know, on your phone. The other day I was searching um, between your heart rate. So you, when you're training, you're at heart rate zones. Mm. You know, you're 70 to 60, whatever, zone 1 to 5. Then um, I learned about your reserve heart rate zones, mm-hmm. which is different. So I just asked ChatGPT. 
and it gave me the difference, and then I gave it my information, it spat out all the numbers and showed me all the math, and I was just like, oh, could you put that in a table for me? Put it all in a table, it's like, sweet, now I've got it like all in a yeah. table, like, it's just so easy. That is a so good, eh? Thank God for the internet. <laughs> Dangerous game, though, but we'll... S- we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I know, our poor children are going to be, I feel like the generation is just going to get dumber and dumber. Potentially. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, like that Sapiens that I started listening to is talking, like... Us as an individual, as an organism, organism, or whatever, our whole digestion and shit like that's the same as it has been years and years, like thousands and thousands of years, but everything else is changing around yeah. us. And it's like, to build an atomic bomb, you're sourcing bits and pieces all over the world and knowledge from all over the world, while back in the day you couldn't. Mm-hmm. But like what we eat and consume, how we digest it, it's still the same as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. Um, so... Your next ending point, since you're stuck in Hamilton, you found your husband. <laughs> I did. I did. It turned out to be your husband later that. But um, after only a few months of dating, you ended up moving to the UK with him, uh, which also in turn cut your graduate program short. Um, and once again, leaving your home comforts of family and friends. Yeah, that was a. That's probably one of the biggest. Well, probably second biggest now, but yeah. one of the bigger turning points in my life, I think, because. I wasn't looking for anyone and I don't think that Mm. that was kind of what it intended to be. You know, like Sean, when I met him, was only a few months away from going overseas for six months to do his OE, Mm -hmm. um, kind of like a mini OE with one of his friends. So Six months is not a mini OE. Well, it's a long time, yeah. But, you know, he'd packed, you know, he'd put his job on hold and, Mm -hmm. you know, moved out of his flat, his house and all the rest of it to kind of go and do this trip. So I didn't meet him at the best time. And I think when I met him, it was just a bit of fun, really. How did you meet him? Uh, we met at the gym, actually. Yeah. Which sounds real weird, but... No, it um, doesn't. We met through a mutual friend at the gym. And, yeah, I don't know, we just kind of started to get chatting, you know, when you run into people and we just yeah, saw each yeah, other yeah. more and more and then kind of built up our own rapport. And yeah. before we knew it, I think we had organised to, to go on a date, Um and I think it was the night before, I think I was out in town at Keystone, and I had drunk texted him to come into town, and so he came into town, and the rest is kind of history, really. <laughs> Fucking hey. <laughs> I like this. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, Mum, if you ever listen to this. Um, so, what are you apologising for? <laughs> You're not all on Tinder or Bumble Actually, no, or to, be, to be fair, I think we kind of told a real similar story to this, but maybe a little bit more of a PG version at my wedding, so... It's probably not news to anybody. <laughs> that was pretty PG. <laughs> um, it's a family show. So, yeah, so we met and then we just started hanging out and he obviously went off and did his OE and I think maybe in a month into his trip, he said, oh, come over and come over for a holiday and mm. going to spend a month overseas with me. So I went over and spent a month with him. So were you at this stage planning on travelling at some point in your life? Yes, absolutely, for sure. And had you started saving? No. Mm. Absolutely not. So as soon as he kind of invited me to come over, he yeah. said, come and spend the last, I think it might have been three and a half weeks at the end of his yeah. trip um, in Europe with me. So I was saving like a crazy lady yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to go over and spend three and a half weeks with him over in Europe. And I did that and we had a great time. And then when I came back to New Zealand, he wasn't too far behind me. He went to China first with his dad and then came home. Um, he came home and he kind of hit me up one day. Um, this was, sorry, after we had kind of official, made things official mm, as boyfriend mm-hmm. and girlfriend. Me thinking he was going to stay in New Zealand and obviously I had my grad program to finish. Mm. And then he goes, I think I'm going to move to London. Come with me. 
And I was like, are you crazy? I was like, I can't leave New Zealand and my grad program and my mm. family and friends to move to the other side of the world with you. And also, we haven't known each other that long. Mm. Like, I couldn't possibly – I just kind of read it off straight away. And it was actually after probably a good pep talk from my mum where she said, why not? Like, what have you got to lose? Yeah, that, I just sort of write that down. What did you? Why, why – like, yeah, what did you have to lose? Why did you think in your head that you couldn't leave – I think because the decision, I always wanted to go travelling. I probably mm. always was going to go and do an OE and live overseas, you know, whether it was London or Canada or something like that. But what I just think I wasn't, back? I wasn't there yet. I yeah. wanted to finish the grad program. I wanted to save money. Mm. <laughs> None of my friends at that time had done it, were doing it, or were kind of close to doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a decision that I was going to come to on my own. But it was almost presented to me before I was ready, if you yeah. know what I mean, or before I thought I was ready. So my initial reaction was like, no way, no how, I can't do it. <laughs> Just write this one down as well. <laughs> Normally I write, write stuff down so you can keep on talking and then I'll bring it up later. <laughs> but you're just talking about timing there and you thought you weren't ready. Yeah. Looking back now, was it the perfect time? Couldn't have been more perfect. Bingo. Honestly, but I, exactly. If I had have known then what I know now, I would have jumped in head yeah. first. And I did end up jumping in head first and I did move to the UK with him. And Sometimes l- you just need to leap, eh? Oh, you do. And that's why my mum said, mum's like, you're young. I think I was 20, was I 22 at the time, 22 at the time. And she's like, go and do it. Sean's a great guy. Um, the UK, like the world, you know, the world is your oyster. Go and do it. Screw the grad program. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't owe them anything. Had your mum done travelling as well herself? Mum had not so much like Europe, but she grew up travelling. She did like a, um, she spent years travelling around in a van with her friends around Australia. Yeah. Um, which is real cool. So mum's got like the travel bug too. And she's like, go and do it. There's yeah, never yeah, going to yeah. be a better time for you to do it than now. You've got yeah. no ties here. You know, your family, your grandparents are all young and, and healthy, you know, mm. all youngish and healthy. It's a great time for you to go and do it. Go and see the world. Okay. Go like pursue whatever this possibly could be with Sean. Um, and yeah, so we just lived in London travelled the world, based ourselves out of there, and then came home, God, what year was that? 2018. So speaking of perfect timing, it was in hindsight because we managed to avoid COVID and we actually got to travel the world, mm. no holds barred, you know, no restrictions, nothing. So that was your next turning point, living and working in London, mm-hmm. which is a good base to travel. First question, how long were you over there for? So I was over there in total, would have been over 18 months. Oh, yeah. So I went a few months after Sean did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he left in the November and I went in the February. My dad got married that year, so I waited and then went yeah. after. Um, where did you two work? Uh, I He worked for a, recru- a large recruitment company over there, which is just so bizarre because he mm. works in agri. <laughs> mm. um, and I worked for a marketing company doing like online marketing. Um Neither of them were anything to kind of further our careers. That wasn't the whole point of us going. It was yeah. just money to travel, really. That's what I was going to ask. Is, mm. um... Oh, sorry. I was just trying to read my writing. Eh? <laughs> Doctor's handwriting. <laughs> no, nah, it's just in an awkward way, like text writing in a way. But do you wish you pursued your career while you're over there at all? Uh, or was th- it good to do something separate to your career so you didn't actually um, kind of invest all your time and lock down into it and be reluctant to travel because you're like, oh, my career. Yeah, I think like, you know, London being one of the financial hubs of the world, it really could have furthered my career mm. um, from that like aspect. But I think working in a job that, I don't want to say I didn't care about it, but 
I wasn't invested in it. Neither of us were. So we didn't feel guilty about taking time off to go and travel. Mm-hmm. And we didn't feel guilty when we ended up resigning to then go and travel some more. Yeah, yeah um, sure. It was just a means to an end for us to have jobs, you know, to get money to travel, to kind of do the things we wanted to do when we were over there. It wasn't a career development mm-hmm. trip. And I think we wouldn't have done and seen the things that we did if we had have gone in there thinking it was a way for us to further our careers. So you know how a lot of time you go straight from high school, you go study, then you start a career, like you graduate program, like you're talking about. You're climbing this ladder, continuously climbing, 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 climbing. Did you feel like you taking a break from that, like put a dent in your potential career or like your 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 life's journey? Do you think you're putting that on hold or do you think you're living the way you should be living during that period? Oh, it's a good question. I think... Because, you know, there's like that blueprint of life and you just fucking mm. go through life. Mm. Me doing me doing that and leaving New Zealand when I was only at the start of my career mm. to go and travel for a few years, it definitely did pull me back from my career mm. climbing, the, climbing the corporate ladder. When we came back to New Zealand eventually in 2018, it took me a long time to get my foot back in the door with finance. So I think at the time... It was so hard to get in. Once you were in, you were in. Mm. And I was in, and then I left, and I had to fight tooth and nail to get back in again. So now I'm in again, yeah, yeah. and I have no intention of leaving until I'm ready to leave for good. So if someone was in the similar shoes to you, going through the same thing, finished uni, intergraduate program, mm. would you recommend stick through, finish the graduate program, or would you say go javelin? Uh, I think in hindsight I would have... Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think it worked out well for me. It worked out okay. But I do wish that I had have had the chance to finish the grad program. I think it got cut short by, I'm going to say, about four months. You know, so I was so close to finishing the grad program. Um, it's still something that I can have on my mm-hmm. CV, of course. But if I ever get asked about it, of course, I have to say, well, I actually left four months earlier to go and travel the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think back when I was younger and then I came back to New Zealand and they asked, well, why didn't you finish it? I was like, oh, I went to go travelling with my boyfriend, you know. And I was like, oh, it's probably not the best look. Yeah. But, again, in hindsight, I wouldn't change anything because it's kind of led me to where I am now. Did you care about your CV at that point of your life? Because let me guess, you haven't looked at it for a few years. No, no. No, I haven't actually. Probably a good six years. Yeah, I, I haven't edited mine since uni. No. I'm pre- it still says Lionel Adams on it, so definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think... Probably not as much as I would do now, mm-hmm. I th- especially not when I'm gallivanting around Europe, you know, drinking rosé on beaches. I didn't give two craps about what my CV looked like. But when I came back to New Zealand and reality hit, of okay, you're home now, now you need to build a career and then you've got to settle down and you're going to do this, that and the other. I was like, oh, that was probably a very rash decision to kind of just pack my life up and leave. Mm-hmm. But fortunately it kind of hasn't hindered. My career. Or your life in general. Yeah. Because then there's a lot of people who end up going through the pursuing a career and then they're like, oh, I haven't travelled. Yeah. Well, exactly. Or they decide to, you know, or COVID hits, you know, and they want to yeah. go travelling, you know. Mm. I mean, you did you travel in COVID or after COVID? No, nah, just after. So I was kind of that first set of people that went afterwards. Oh, right. Okay. So, so you did 22, eh? 2022? Yeah, last yeah. year. This time last year I was over there. Um, and now I was like, masks and shit in New Zealand. And then oh. went over there, no masks. Didn't have to wear a mask anywhere. And halfway through my trips, um, you 
didn't have to wear a mask over here anymore. Was it quite barren over there in terms of tourists? No. Pretty, like, it was pumping? Yeah. Like, I can't compare it to what was to what is. Yeah, sure. But it was busy. Like, I didn't, well, you come from New Zealand. Anything's yeah. busier, you know? You can drive down a road and not pass someone for, like, an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, it wasn't hectic or anything, and it was in the summer. Mm. I was on Kentuckys and stuff. It was busy as fuck. The, um, my intrepid tours that I did at the end of my tour were the first, like the Delhi to Kathmandu trip was their first one back from COVID. Mm. So there's only three of us in that tour. So stuff like that was the first set of people. Um, so I don't really think it, it affected me as such, but there were a lot of people that you know, I knew that like had flights booked or uh, yeah. we planned or uh, even a couple of people I knew had quit their jobs to go traveling and they had to go asking for their jobs back. Oh, I had a, a girlfriend of mine who was due to fly out. I'm going to say it was the day before or two days before. Her flights and everything were booked. She mm. quit her job, left her house in Wellington, like sold most of her things, ready, like life packed up, ready to go into her OE. And then it must have been just before March 2020. I think it was literally a couple of days beforehand. And then the whole world pretty much went into lockdown. And she's like, you've got to be shitting me. It couldn't have been worse timing. Yeah. And like, thankfully now she's over there like living her best yeah, life. Yeah, but yeah. she was she was there. She was pretty much at the airport ready to go. And it was like, uh-uh, COVID. And it's just such a shame. And then I had another friend who went over there and I think maybe got like a few months before mm-hmm. COVID hit and then spent most of her London experience locked in her flat. So The whole thing's fucked up, eh? Super fucked up. Especially, but you forget about it, right? Yeah, but I was even talking to someone the other day about how controlling it is mm. in a governmental sense. Like, it's fucked. And you look back now and... Someone asked me, oh, did, did I get, like, my booster and shit? It's like, yeah, I did so I could go travelling. Of course, yeah. But I'm if I didn't have to, like, then I wouldn't have because... Well, they kind of scare my good people yeah, into getting vaccinated. Exactly. It was like, if you don't do this, Two shots then you summer. Can't. Oh, yeah. no, you need a booster. Yeah, oh, oh, no, if you haven't got a booster, booster yeah. you can go to the Warriors game for free. <laughs> I know. It's just, oh, you want some free KFC? Like, come and get a booster, you know? it's. Uh, I don't know. It's Yeah, looking back now, it's sort of like, well... Yeah, the whole thing was just a little bit over the top. I mean, but hey, we we can't say, right, the, the lockdowns may have very well saved oh. thousands of lives. Shit, yeah. And didn't put stress on the, um, health, the health, system. health system. Oh, absolutely. Like, like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of rights, mm. but there's a lot of questionables. I just think that they'll never be able to lock us down again, I think. Uh. Definitely, you know, I mean, you would have remembered you were living in Hamilton at the time when... Hamilton and Auckland were locked down and the rest of the country was out. Yeah, all the levels oh, and shit. Oh, God, that was so awful. <laughs> but then even like in a working sense, I think like during that second one that we were able to classify as an essential worker, so we were able to come in and work. Sure, and yeah. So there's a lot more loopholes and shit. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Fingers crossed never again. Yeah, I think it'll be something different next time, eh? Like more war. Well, they might put us in like a prison or something so no one can leave. Yeah. Something pretty extreme. They would have to because I just think that people would just get so. Just people were over it, I think, by the end. Especially if you were Auckland. Oh, fuck you. Poor Auckland, I know. Poor, yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving back to New Zealand. Mm. Uh, in brackets, Hamilton. Mm. Uh, Hamilton. Mm. Uh, what's your next turning point? Uh, sitting down, getting married, buying a house, um, and getting back into finance. Mm-hmm. So, first question. 18 months overseas, mm-hmm. did it feel right to come home? I think it was a little bit sooner than I would have liked. Mm-hmm. Why? 
So we had intended on staying, the, at the time the visa was two years, we intended to stay for the full two years. Um, my husband got offered his old job back that he'd quit before mm-hmm. we moved over there. Um, and they actually offered it to him, I'm pretty sure it was like February, March of that year. And we managed to push them out until August oh. because we weren't, there was such yeah. a good opportunity, but we weren't ready quite yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when we kind of decided to, he would take the job and we pushed them out as long as we could. We quit our jobs in London and we spent five months traveling on our way home, um, which was great. It was an awesome way to end, I guess, our OE is just spending five months together just traveling around yeah, yeah. different parts of the world. So it it felt right. Like I think by the time we came home, I mean, you, you've been traveling for a significant amount of time. It's actually exhausting. It can be mm. real taxing and really exhausting. And I don't want to sound like, oh, I was traveling and it was so hard, you know. Like, I'm so grateful yeah. for the opportunity. But it is hard. It is taxing. You know, you spend admin days, like, doing your washing, finding a laundromat, yeah. you know, trying to catch up with your family and friends on Skype, um, planning your next trip, how you're going to get to a bus or a plane or a ship or wherever you're yeah. going to kind of travel to next or trying to find some Wi-Fi somewhere yes. <laughs> so you can text mum to be like, hey, mum, I'm okay. Um, so we were ready when we did get home. Yeah. But a few it's more. It's routine as well, aren't it? Oh, yeah, crave routine. Like even just going to the gym, you're like, God, I would love to just eat like a huge salad, you know, because yeah. you're just eating Or just packets. being able to cook your own food. Yeah, exactly. Have a fridge full of your own food. Oh, exactly. Yeah, or just need, oh, I need my T-shirt's dirty. I'll just grab one out of the drawer yeah. instead of being like, oh, I've got no clean T-shirts. I need to go to the laundromat, you know. Yeah, so yeah. we were ready when we came home. But that was purely because you'd been boosting around for five months. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. How many countries did you travel to? Oh, crap. Did you just do Europe? No, we did um, parts of Africa and we did most of Southeast Asia. Um, I want to say majority of Europe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, Europe's huge. Um, But we did most of Europe between that first trip when I went over and met him for a month and then Mm. living there and then our big five month trip. Um, yeah, we kind of ticked off quite a few places in Europe. Would you recommend it for a move on? Moving to London? Yeah. And doing it, oh, 100%. Yeah. I think everybody should, everybody should go and do something like that. Mm. If if it's something that interests them, of course, but it was huge. It was, I look back on it with Why? such fond memories. Why was it huge? I think that the amount of personal growth that comes from leaving mm. home at the you know obviously leaving home, but then leaving your own country to then live in another country. I mean, obviously London's English speaking and it's yeah, not yeah, too yeah. dissimilar. You know, it's not like we moved to a I don't know. I'm trying to think of a country that doesn't speak English, Japan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but the amount of personal growth and maturing that goes on when you leave your home comforts, it's pretty amazing. So you talk about the skills you learn at university mm. that weren't curriculative. Mm-hmm. That's not even a word, but whatever. Um, is huge. Same with travelling, eh? Yep. And what I like to call it is character building. Yep, love it, yep. Like, you know, fuck like if you miss a train, whatever. Oh, it's it character is. character building. Like, it's just all these little cookies that you just... Oh, there is. And, up. you know, like, you, you just build so much resilience because yeah. things don't always go your way. You know, we got, we got scammed out of money. We got... Um, you know, we missed buses, we missed flights, we went in some real dodgy taxis, you know, we'd walk down some dodgy alleyways. Like, you just experience quite a lot about the world, like the good, the bad, the ugly, everything yeah. in between. But Especially, I think, like, the lower 
socioeconomical areas. Oh yeah, and we went to um, we went to Morocco, yeah. and it was probably one of the only places that we felt really, really unsafe. Mm-hmm. And this is I know a lot of people have been to Morocco and they have different experiences. Mm-hmm. We went in the middle of Ramadan, which probably wasn't a like yeah. a, a smart idea in hindsight because we were still eating and drinking. Yeah, yeah, but there was a lot of people that weren't. Most people weren't, and they're angry if you angry. don't eat. Hangry, you yeah. know. Um, and we actually ended up leaving Morocco early because we just felt unsafe there. Yeah. You know, we got followed down alleys and people calling out to you. And it was just, as, I think for us, it was a scary place to be, especially after dark. But yeah. all in all, all the experiences we've had in different countries make me so grateful to live in the country we do. And I truly believe there is no greater country in the world than New Zealand. And it's yeah. very patriotic of oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, one more point then. Photos. What yes. have you done with them? Uh, well, actually, there's an album just under my TV there, and then right. we've got some photos up on the wall just there, um, and then obviously just kind of backed up in the cloud, really. But I did make like a little album down there that kind of highlights at least a photo from each country we've kind of been to, because you do know, you ever you, pull them out and have a geese? Oh yeah, I love showing them off. Okay. Like, do you guys want to see my travel album? <laughs> and also, I think one day as well, like when our our daughter and subsequent children are older, I want to be able to be like, look what we've done. Yeah. encourage them to do the same yeah. or even you know if we are able to take them and you know see yeah, parts yeah. of the world i really want to be able to do that i've done um yeah 2020 and 2021 photo yeah. albums just yeah. like you know how you like favorite certain photos yeah, yeah so like those are the years mm-hmm. and then i still need to do last year's one and then travel ones as well yes yeah. I have lazy as fuck. It's been a year since I've been traveling and I haven't done them. No, I know, but it's one of those things that it just sits on the to-do list. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've made albums now. Now it's the process of just putting them in. Oh, like, album, like these are the photos I want for yeah. this album. Yeah. And now it's just a matter of putting them on the computer and then paying for it and whatever. Yeah. So was it hard to step back into finance? You mentioned it before. Uh, yeah, it was it was hard to get back in. I think when I came home in 2018, there weren't a lot of finance jobs available. Same company? Um, no, I am now, got back in with and I'm now at a different bank. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't have any interest to go back to the bank I was at before. I think, I, was, I mean, I was a grad there, so you don't really have a lot of respect when you're a graduate anyway. Mm. But also... Finance itself can be quite male orientated, and I think at that particular bank and that particular office, there were quite a few. I'm just gonna like flat. They were just assholes. Yeah. A lot of them were just old assholes, school. old school like assholes, and I just couldn't be bothered with the mm-hmm. the kind of the stress or the pressure. And I just you know, I feel you. So I um, applied for other banks, and the bank that I got in with now, I'm still with, and I love it there. It's still full of a lot of men. <laughs> Did you consider not doing finance? No, I didn't really because I kind of thought, well, what would I do? Like finance was kind of the only. But was that because you'd only started? You'd only started finance that you're like, this is my only. Yeah, option? yeah, and I did. I just I did think like, well, what would I do otherwise? You know, like I knew that I was going to have to start semi from the bottom again. Mm. But I all I knew was finance, so I felt comfortable going for jobs that were. Finance related, I suppose. Do you think you'll stay in finance now, like at present day? Present day, yes. Um, like I'm definitely going back to work next year. For how long will I stay in finance? I don't know. Do I want to be in finance forever? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I think 
kind of the end goal would be, again, don't know in what, owning a business and being able to work, have the flexibility to work for ourselves yeah. would be great. Um, I think since having a baby, I want to spend or be able to spend as much time as I possibly can with her. Um, and that's really tough when you're working in a job like mine because it is full-time or nothing. You know, there's not the option to kind of do part days or part time or two days a week and you know it's like it's yeah, full time you've yeah. got to be there like all or nothing yeah. and before when I was younger and I just had me to think about then that was fine but then when you've got this little person you're like oh there's so much more to life than work wow <laughs> so before we go into this little person mm. anything else you'd like to add before we get there no I don't think so that's my life in a nutshell I might actually touch on your keynote theme before we get into your child. Because mm-hmm. your last last key turning point is becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of uh, motherhood questions, pregnancy questions. Mm-hmm. Quite often there's a guest that I get on with a certain thing that I might be able to just nail down on. Um, we had connected prior to the pregnancy, so mm-hmm. I'd written down a few things. But even then, like, I didn't write down a lot, but there's, there is a few things. But... Keynote theme. Mm-hmm. Why Why would you want to tell your younger self that you didn't have to be cool or be in the cool group um, at school? I just, I so vividly remember being in high school and, you know, there's always the, the popular group. Yes, And you sure. just, I just so vividly remember being like, oh, if I was just in the cool group, life would just be perfect. Life would mm-hmm. be so great. And it's always just this, you're trying to, get welcomed into the popular group and be seen with the cool kids. And I just remember it being like an all-consuming motivator or something mm. that I just really wanted. And I look back on that now and I was, I think, why? But you just mentioned you're motivated. If you weren't, mm. if there was not that drive to be there, then would you not, what would have happened if you weren't motivated? No, but I'm motivated to like be in the, in the inner circle, if yeah. you know what I mean. But I don't, I don't know why. Now, looking back now, I don't know why I was yeah. so... Popularity, I suppose. Well, yeah, and it seems like such a big deal when you're at high school. You know, I think when you're at high school, you forget that there's a world outside of high school. Mm-hmm. It's just all-consuming being at high school. Mm. And I have got such a good group of friends as an adult that I was friends with at school, and I'm really fortunate to have that. And we were friends all through high school, and so I don't know why, looking back, why I was so caught up and obsessed with becoming popular or for us to be the popular kids and be seen as getting invited to all the parties, etc. Because it doesn't matter who you are at high school, whether you are a popular person, whether you're a quiet loner, whether you're a nerd or really good at sports or whatever, it doesn't determine who you're going to be in your life. Because, like I said, apart from the friends that I've carried through life with me from, from school, I don't keep in contact with anybody from school. And people... I mean, there's people that were in the popular group that I know for sure have never left Tauranga and they're just bumming around and they've done nothing with their lives. You know, so I look at that and I'm like, why did I want to be like that? So what's the alternative? To being... To being wanting to be a part of the cool group. Just Just live your life the way you want to live. Be accepting of kind of just where you are. Because high school is just... Well, yeah, just, or just, I don't know. Yeah, I think don't... Don't try and change yourself to be something that you're not. Not saying like don't try and be cool because mm. you're not cool, but just be grateful Stick for where you guns. are. Yeah, be grateful for what you've got. You know, like I had such a great group of friends at school, and I've still got them now in my life. And 
the people that I thought were cool at high school. I don't keep in contact with any of them. What about university? University is an interesting one. I had friends from school that went to university, which are still my friends. But people I met at university, I actually kind of lost contact with. Mm. So majority of the friend group that I've got now, it's like school and then there's kind of like a gap there from uni and then travelling and just people I've met in my adult life. I think that the people who mean the most to me now are people that I have met as an adult. Regardless of their status, regardless of their coolness. 100%. And because, you know, I don't know, I didn't know a lot of them from school. Exactly. I don't give a crap what they were like at school. They could have been a bully. They could have been a loner. They could have been popular. I don't care. I care about who they are now, how they Mm -hmm. treat me, how they make me feel. And they do the same for me. You know, they don't care that I wasn't popular at school. But when I was at school, I was like, well, no one's going to be my friend. So the other one is that you care about what people think of you, then you get older, you realise no one actually gave a shit about what... Yeah, yeah, yeah. you do. But you relate to the same Yeah. You're worried about what the cool kids think about what you're up to. Yeah, exactly. And you realise they don't even give a shit anymore. No, exactly. You realise your opinion doesn't even matter. And you realise you don't give a shit. Because when you're an adult, like... I don't know, because when you're an adult and you leave high school, the world is just huge, right? You Mm. don't have cool groups in the real world. You know, I've got I've got me and my friends, mm. and that's what we are. We're just me and my friends. We're not trying to be in this group and that group and the popular kids. We're just living our lives, having a great time, being there for each other. We don't need to yeah. try and be anything. Okay, side note to that. Do you think, like, if school didn't have the cool group, the hierarchy and stuff, mm. do you reckon school would be a lot different? Yeah, I think it would be. I reckon there's that, the hierarchy of... of <laughs> There is. I mean, yeah, it kind of is. But but the thing is, it's like, who determines coolness? Do you know, like, these these kids don't walk into school being like, okay, we're the popular kids. It's a social construct. Like, mm. me sitting there being like, oh, they're the cool kids. That's what makes them cool. Because someone is saying, you guys are the cool kids. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I always think it's um, to do with money as well, like. Because oh. you see, okay, they've got the newest phone, the best phone, they've got the newest nice kicks, car, whatever, the yeah. cars. Or you see that they're they're going on massive holidays and you're like, oh, you're cool. Yeah, probably. That's what I want to do. Probably. But then again, like as an adult, you know, I've got. You don't judge your friends based on how much money they have, or don't have, or the house they live in, or the the cars. It is a hundred percent. And again, I don't give two craps about my friends' social status or their wealth or anything. Mm. That's not important. But at high school, you do, you see people and they're like, oh, well, dad bought you this really nice car, so you guys must be rich, so you must be cool. But And now now you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah. I was like, I've got bomb friends, <laughs> and like, none of us are like sailing off to Greece on yachts, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like, as you get older, so you learn like how to earn stuff and exactly. earn money, and you earn, earn the, your first yeah. car, yeah, not just get given a first car. You understand car. the value of a dollar. Yeah, 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 yeah that's the one. <laughs> so becoming a mother, mm. game changer. Life is forever different. It is. Body family. <laughs> so once there was two, now there's three. Yep. Tell me about it. Well, Why is this the same change? <laughs> this has been probably the biggest change in my life or the biggest turning point in my life because, like you said, you go from... We ready. Oh, 100%. Yep. yep. This is, yeah. And we, like she, yeah, she was very much planned. This is... Yep very much what we wanted and where we were at in our life. Um, oh, when I say I was ready, we, we we made the decision to have a baby, yeah, but yeah. I don't know if you can ever really be 
ready. No, no, but I mean, in terms of preparedness, you know, you do the antenatal classes and you read books and you talk to people about having a baby. But when the baby gets here, there is nothing that can truly prepare you for how hard it is. <laughs> how hard? Oh, oh yeah. I thought it was easy. Oh, okay. So I mean, Holly was telling me. No. no. <laughs> Holly's got a dream baby, I'm just going to say. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think it, when you're talking to friends, you know, people say, oh, we won't get much sleep for the first few months. And, you know, so you kind of go into an understanding that, you know, babies cry and they mm-hmm. poop and, you know, they don't sleep too much. And, but, you know, you just get through. And then when you're in the thick of it, you're like, oh my god, this is way harder than anyone said it was going to be. Okay, if I relate this to uh, me, if I'm training for an event, oh yes, I'll, uh, you know, running. Right, you start running, you progressively run further and further and further, and then you kind of taper. Then you have an event. Mm-hmm. Did you like try to sleep deprive yourself just to give a test run? To be fair, like when you're super super pregnant, you don't sleep well. Oh, basically, yeah. when you hit, oh, I think it might be 28 weeks pregnant, you can't sleep on your back. You are meant to only really sleep, I'm pretty sure it's on your left side. And you can't sleep on your stomach for obvious reasons. So you're literally kind of... on your left instead of your right? So I think it's something to do with... I'm not a doctor, by the way. Mm. It's something to do with there's an artery that if you lie on your back, Mm -hmm. the weight of your belly can put pressure on that and it can kind of restrict blood flow. I think on the left side is the most natural way in terms of like the way organs fall... Mm -hmm. And like to maximize blood flow. I was just thinking in yoga, yeah. at the end of yoga, you always go to the right. Yeah. Generically. Yeah. I think you're hard. But then have you noticed in yoga, she says, but if you're pregnant, go to your left. No, I haven't. Yeah. Okay. But not that a lot of um, super pregnant people would have been in yoga, but I did notice that when yeah. we were going in, there no, were a few pregnant sense. women in there. Yeah. So do you sleep on the left side of the bed? I do now, but at the time I didn't. Yeah. So. That's just a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll Ask some pregnancy questions mm-hmm. first. I remember at one point you are telling, I don't know if you are telling me or, or if it was just something I saw, but your body doesn't feel like your own. I'm pretty sure you said that. Yeah, I think when you came to visit. Why, why did your body not feel like your own? Oh, I think because, you know, for 28 years, well, I mean. You have full say, control, I suppose, yeah. of what you look like. Yeah, exactly. Or as an adult, you know, once you finish puberty, you, you know, your height doesn't really change. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you don't vary too much in the size of who you are. And I'd always just been this fixed size and, you know, roundabout weight. Mm. And then all of a sudden your body is kind of feels like it's got a mind of its own, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're obviously growing, you know, like your boobs are growing <laughs> and your belly is growing you can't eat certain things. You need to be mindful about what you're putting into your body and making sure you rest enough and drink enough water. And I think because now you're sharing your body with a little person, mm-hmm. it's not just you anymore. You know, like I, I think that from the moment I found out I was pregnant, I was a mother mm-hmm. because I was already taking care of her before she was, mm. you know, before she was born. Whereas, how, did, how did you mentally deal with it, like your body changing? I think I was quite fortunate where I fully embraced it. I loved it. Yeah. I loved, as, as hard as it is on your body, I loved being pregnant. I think that it was something that we wanted for so long. Mm. And like our road to get there wasn't very smooth. So I think that every day I was just so grateful to have the opportunity to mm-hmm. grow human life. And I think as well, you know, I just wake up in the morning and just be like, wow, isn't it crazy how two tiny little like organisms or cells can just turn into like a fully blown human 
you know, and I mm. had that app on my phone that tells you every day, like today like the baby's growing is. like fingernails and you're like, wow, like I grew fingernails today. How cool is that? It's just it's wild. I'll see it on your face, eh? Hey? <laughs> just aesthetic. It is. It's just crazy. And it's something that not everybody gets the opportunity to do. You know, sorry, Mace, you'll probably never um, grow nah, a baby. <laughs> it's okay. I think I'll take one on the chin. And it's something that I, you know, we I only want two children. So it's something I've done once. It's something I'll hopefully be able to do once again. Mm-hmm. But then that'll be it. You know, it's such a short amount of time in your life mm. and such a rare opportunity that... I don't know, I think it's it's good to try and make the most of it and really kind of soak it in for what it is. But yeah, it's a it's a crazy, wild, beautiful journey. <laughs> so you're also someone who taught me uh, that there is a fourth trimester. Mm-hmm. But so, first trimester, mm-hmm. how did you deal with that? How did you manage? Oh, That's the hardest, isn't it? I, Vomiting. I would nausea. argue that the fourth trimester is harder. Okay, regardless of the fourth. Okay, yeah, yeah that's the, the first, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm still talking about pregnancy okay, stuff. Okay, that's all right. Yeah, how did you deal with it? How did you go? Uh, I was pretty lucky. I fatigue like no other. I've never been so tired in my life. Yeah. Um, still working? Yep, still work. So I think I think the first trimester as well because generally people don't tell people that they're pregnant until about mm. 12, 13 weeks. Um, we told people when we were 16. But for, so for that first 12, 13 weeks, nobody knew you were pregnant. So you were sick day, sick day. Yeah, so you couldn't like rock into work like you could in the second or third trimester and be like, oh, I'm tired. And people would be like, oh, it's because you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. would just like suck it up, buy a coffee, you hung over or something. You know, yeah. I remember sneaking ginger ale in my coffee cup into work because I didn't want people to know I was pregnant. But I couldn't drink anything else. I just needed to have ginger ale and all I was eating was dry crackers. My first trimester was, so I bought so many McDonald's fries and cheeseburgers, you would not believe. It was yeah. the only thing I could eat. The smell of meat made me want to gag. Um, Sean's breath. Yeah. <laughs> like being in the same car as him, I'd be like, oh, can you please put the window down? Like your breath doesn't stink, it just smells like breath. And it would just, oh shit. It was awful. So, I mean, I was definitely a lot luckier than some. I know some people were bedridden with nausea, but I was pretty lucky. But it is, it's crazy. And I think that's the, the first glance you get of, um, <laughs> or the, the first taste the you get. <laughs> the breath. I know. Oh, God. And it's like the poor hormones as well, right? Like, I don't know about other people. I turned into this raging bitch. Like, I was just <laughs> so tired all the time and everything was just so hard. And part of me was like, why have you done this to me? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, everybody's experience is different, but the fatigue was probably the hardest thing to get through. Yeah. For sure. So eating, you you lose appetite oh. and you can only eat certain things. Yeah, and I think it's like... Why? I don't know why that must be. It's, it's, it's probably the fluctuation and change in hormones mm. that is the reason that causes nausea and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You try and think like, oh, I'm pregnant. I've got to nourish my body. All I could eat was French fries. Like that baby for the first 13 weeks of his life was like living off ginger That's ale and French fries. That's why it looked like a potato when it came out. That's why babies look like potatoes, for sure. It is. It's because women just eat calves when they're pregnant. <laughs> so you just basically dial down all your food. Yeah, I was, was super plain. Like, I'm talking like those snacks, crackers. Yeah. Yeah, potato chips. Just like salty snacks okay. and carbs. Give me a, a tips or advice as a male being around a pregnant lady. Don't breathe. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think I was quite lucky. Like, Sean. Sean what was always, so good about him then? Uh, he would just, or I guess he would always just check in and be like, how are you feeling today? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was so exhausted that 
I would often come home from work and I would just like crash on the couch, mm-hmm. you know, so he would offer to cook dinner, um, albeit he would cook, you know, meat and salad and potato and I would just have the potato. Mm-hmm. But he would be like, what do you want to eat? You know, he never made me feel bad for not eating a salad yeah. or eating a steak because I just was eating what I needed to eat to get through, right? Mm. Um, or he would come home and be like, what have you eaten today? I think for the biggest thing for me, it sounds all very food related, but he would always be like, what have you eaten today? And nine times out of 10, I'd be like toast and some crackers. And he's like, not good enough. He's like, what do you feel like you could eat? So whether it was a kebab or something, Mm -hmm. he would go and get it Mm -hmm. for me. So yeah, I think that was good. And he kind of just took a lot of the, you know, the cleaning or the the cooking and Mm -hmm. all of those jobs away from me. So I could literally just Just relax relax on the couch because you're just so tired. So just step up, do a lot of work. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I mean... Take take stuff off your plate so that you can... Yeah. yeah, and I suppose it's all kind of preparation for when the baby gets here too, right? Like that in turn is kind of a similar thing to what he did for the first, you know, few months of our daughter being here. So... What are the best clothes to wear while being pregnant? Oh, I know other women who are either pregnant or have had a baby will be listening to this, especially the yogi ones. Lululemon Align tights yeah. and you can actually get super high rise ones so they actually go right up over the bump i'm actually wearing them now i've so always what, they're just stretchy oh they're super stretchy so you're wearing the ones that you used soft. to wear when you're pregnant oh yeah yeah oh yeah they just snap back Aye. yeah you'll see lashara talks about um how she's worn most of her lululemon stuff through like yeah. all of her pregnancies and they just all like snap back to size that's great it really is. Lululemon's onto a thing here. Like sponsor me. <laughs> yeah, sponsor me. Yeah, Lululemon, you listening? Shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, probably the best thing to wear, and I've just oh, yeah. lived in them. I was really lucky because I was pregnant through summer, and I didn't have to buy like maternity jeans or anything like yeah, that. So yeah. I just wore a lot of like loose dresses, and then just like yeah, tights basically. What's the curb walk? Oh, the curb walk! You saw that on my story. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. If you're walking when you're due, when you're nearly due, to try and get the baby ready to come out, if you kind of are walking on the curb and one side of your body is, like your footing is uneven, I think in theory it's meant to like help the baby move into position in the birth canal or it can help with um, like making your waters break and, and all yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. I don't know if there's any science behind, it, science yeah. behind it, but when you're nearly 40 weeks pregnant, you would do anything to get that baby out because mm-hmm. you honestly truly believe you're going to be pregnant for the rest of your life. <laughs> Do you remember the sensation of the first kick you felt? Yes, and I thought it was a fart. Oh. Yeah, well, are you, I've never, I mean, I'm sure for my next pregnancy I'll be like, oh, that's a kick. Yeah. But you feel it and you're like, oh, is that just like a gas bubble in my like intestines yeah. or something? And then you kind of start feeling them more frequently. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird sensation. Did you get used to them? Yeah, you did, yeah. 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 Did he kick you up at night and she kick you up at night? Uh, no, I was pretty, she actually wasn't a huge kicker, like she definitely did move around a lot, but not a super, super active baby. Yeah. Like there were definitely days where I was like, are you okay in there? <laughs> and you're like poking at your stomach so she kicks you back. But it's it's a pretty amazing, amazing feeling. Birthing experience. Mm-hmm. Scary. Why are you rolling your eyes? <laughs> no, I was just getting into position. Um, no, I was, I had an amazing birth experience. I would. Were you scared prior to? No, I wasn't, which is surprising because I'm a pretty squeamish person. Where does this mindset come from? It seemed pretty... Excitement to just, for this next chapter, I think. I was just so excited to meet her and so excited for us to, you know, start our life as parents. 
that I almost blocked out the kind of bit where you actually have to bring the child into mm-hmm. the world. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, so many women do it and so many of my friends had done it and I knew it was going to be hard. I wasn't under mm-hmm. any illusion, but you never know how your birth is going to go. You could have a really incredible, empowering birth or you could have a really hard, traumatic birth. Mm-hmm. But you can't do anything about it like to control it, yeah, right? You control it's, the controllables. So I was like, however it's going to happen, the only expectation I have from my birth is that I get to go home with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And however we get there, that's the journey we take. So you got there, right? No issues? We were super, like with the birth itself, it was Pretty amazing. Um, we had to spend a week in hospital. Our daughter actually got um, pneumonia oh. when she was born. So maybe how? about an hour. Oh, they don't actually know how. <laughs> so that was my question too. How does she get pneumonia um, from being born? Because the first hour of her life, she was completely fine. And it was in the second hour we had to go up to NICU and she spent a bit of time up there. Up um, to where? NICU, so that's like mm-hmm. neonatal intensive care, okay. um, which is a pretty awful experience for us all around, you know, because we didn't know at the time mm. if she was going to make it or what was wrong. Mm. Um, so pneumonia is thankfully treated by just IV antibiotics, yeah. so that's why we had to spend some time at the hospital. Um, but yeah, they don't know how she contracted it, but it was a pretty scary experience. So that kind of, although I don't have birth trauma, mm-hmm. I've got very soon after birth trauma, yeah. um, just from that experience. Okay, I didn't see you posting anything on social media asking for recommendations or advice, like some others. Yes. Um, so how the fuck have you managed? I have had a lot of friends that have had babies, mm. I think. Um, yeah, heaps of, heaps of friends that have had babies, so yeah. you always pick their brains about this, that and the other, and the best stroller to buy, and the best, I don't know, lactation cookies to buy. You're looking cookie. at me like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. um, it's basically a cookie that's meant to promote lactation or help so, like have a healthy supply. Huh. I think the key ingredient is brewer's yeast, so oh, there yeah. you go. Tricks and new players. Fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> no, so you had a, a, a wealth of knowledge you could tap into. Because mm-hmm. the other one is that there's like an abundance of knowledge out in the world. Nice. Um, just dropped my pen. Behind the couch. Um, yeah, you got a lot of knowledge... Where in these, I suppose the same with dieting, is one person sees one thing, one person sees another. So like with everything that's out there, how are you not worried that you're going to fuck it up? Raising a child? Mm. I just truly believe that there's nobody who is more qualified or better to look after our daughter than us, mm-hmm. me and my husband. You know, nobody knows her better than us. She doesn't know anybody better than she knows us. And I don't know, at the end of the day, like, as long as her basic needs are met, especially in those early days, you know, she's got a, she's changed, she's got a clean bum, she's fed, you know, she's warm and she's loved. Like, we're already doing such a great job if her basic needs are met, mm-hmm. you know, and everything above and beyond that is just an added bonus, really, mm. you know. So, I don't know, I, I think she's so little now that it's easy to meet those basic needs. I think as she gets older... And she starts learning more about the world and you're starting to teach her how to be a good person. I think that is maybe a fear that I have because I want to do right by her and I want her to be a great person and reach her full potential. And we're kind of ground zero for that, for her. So like, there's the talk about the first three years or thousand days is the part where they develop their brain the most and all that. Are you actively, say, 
doing a lot of facial expressions, being more present, actually trying to communicate, even though she probably can't communicate, but are you trying to be more proactive? Oh, 100%. Yeah. We just, we just talk to her all the time. And, you know, even if me and her are just at home for the day and she's lying on the floor and I'm, I don't know, say I'm hanging out the washing or something beside mm-hmm. her and I'm just like, mummy's hanging out the T-shirt, you know, and like, look, I've got a peg, one, two, you know, and she just lies there and looks at me and it's not like she's going to turn around in five minutes and be like, oh, one, two, I can count to two. Mm. But I think just continually talking to her is going to help her learn and like develop. It's going to just help her learn about the world. Did you talk to yourself for? Having a baby? A lot of females seem to talk to themselves. Oh, I'm just know. wondering if this is like in preparation. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because I mean like they don't talk back, right? So in theory you kind of are talking to yourselves. Cause <laughs> you ever had practice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I probably did. Ask Sean, he'll probably say I talk to myself all the time. But maybe it's just because I'm talking to him and he doesn't listen. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you enjoying it at the moment? Being Life. Yeah. Oh, love it. Why? I just... Because why I ask is like, prior to, you'd have a whole routine, you know, you'd be able to go to the gym, be able to go away on weekends, have drinks with your friends, mm-hmm. maybe go on a holiday. Um, you can't. Your whole life has flipped, done 180. You have you, you settled down, you're kind of stuck in a home all the time. Mm. It's very different, um, completely different to what have I've known. Have you known. adapted well? I, I, think, I think that I am adapting. Mm-hmm. It's it's a process, I think, and I think it's going to be an ever-changing thing you know like you said you have a baby your life has changed forever um certainly while children are so dependent and you know for me I'm breastfeeding so she's so much more dependent on me um than she will be when she's say one and she's on solids and she doesn't need me for that anymore um it's it's a change like I've only this week just started going back to the gym um, and even to go and do that, I have to make sure that I go when Sean's going to be home and I put her down for a nap. Mm-hmm. So I've got long enough to go and then get back before she wakes up. And yeah, so trying to like, you just adapt about it. You mm. know, you're trying to like find time and make time to do the things that. Time management. Exactly. You know, and you just got to work together as a team, like teamwork, right? The things you learn at university. The things, exactly. <laughs> so university prepared me for this. Exactly. <laughs> Human resources, motherhood, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely a huge change. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But you do, you just adapt. You just, you have to adapt. Yeah. And I wasn't ignorant to the fact that my life was going to be significantly different. Is it isolating? Oh, it definitely can be isolating. Yeah. How Especially. do you counteract that? Because you just seem to have a great mindset and the whole outlook on it all. Oh, it's definitely been a lot of. It has s- been a roller coaster. Oh, it definitely has. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's it's tough. Yeah. The first, I'm going to say the first 12 weeks were the, the toughest thing I've ever gone through. So the fourth trimester. Yeah, the fourth trimester is, as I said, yeah, it's it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Probably the hardest thing both of us have had to do. You know, you've got a baby who is so dependent on you for everything. You know, they, they're feeding every two to three hours. You, uh, It's a, just an around-the-clock, relentless, and you don't have any time for yourself. You know, like the things that you used to be able to do, like go and have a coffee. I mean, for me personally, I found it really hard to leave the house with her when I had her because I was so scared she was going to cry and lose it in public. And I was just too scared to take her anywhere. So I isolated myself at home. And I didn't want people to come and visit because I didn't want her to cry and for them to think that I was a bad Mm mum. And these are all just things that you don't think of before you have a baby. You just think, oh, you don't get much sleep and 
oh, you know, you've got to change some dirty diapers, yeah. but there's so much more to that and you don't understand it until you're fully in it. Mm-hmm. But for people listening who are pregnant or have got a newborn or are about to have a baby, it's it does get easier. And I hated with a passion when people said to me, it gets easier, it gets easier. <laughs> and I would just be like, when? When does it get easier? Give me a date. And like, it does get easier. Yeah. It has gotten easier. Okay, on that, sleep. Yep. You didn't really practice like I'd practice for a run. <laughs> Being sleep deprived? Yeah. Um, How did you manage? Not well. Oh, I mean, I coped. I think I wouldn't say I managed. I think I coped. <laughs> Sorry, I need my pen to write down the things in my head. I can't even get it. Oh, you're really going to have to get under there, I think. Is it right at the back? <laughs> oh, I'm going to pull a hand. You're going to have to upload this part to the um, the video. <laughs> Did you get it? He's back. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I coped. I didn't manage. I just coped. Yep. I think there was definitely times where, you know, she was up so frequently during the night that you would just do anything to get some sleep. You get a tag team with your partner, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you get up and then if she doesn't need to be fed, then you can get up to settle her or you can get up to change your bum. It's it's tough. Like the days feel so incredibly long when you're running on limited sleep. But then it also they just go so fast. Like I can't believe I'm sitting here to say tomorrow I think she's fifteen weeks old. Like where have the last fifteen weeks gone? So you know how I've just mentioned I write down things so that I can ask you afterwards, yeah, that's why I struggled to get the pen. And I was like, What the fuck was I writing? And then I was like, oh, before, blah, blah, blah. And then you just bring it up right there. Is the fact that only just last week, you're like, and then the week before, and the week before, like, everything progresses so fast mm-hmm. that you forget to, like, be in the moment. Because you're like, when is it going to get easier? Yeah. When, when, when? Yeah. But you got to be in the moment because before you know it, it should be one. Before exactly. you know it, it should be three. Before yep. you know it, it should be driving down the driveway. Yeah, Exactly. And you just, mm. it, but it's so hard, I think, especially when you're running on such limited sleep, yeah. to appreciate the moments that having a newborn brings. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, the newborn scrunch. It's when you pick a baby up and they kind of like pretty much have their legs like curled up, um, kind of like they were when they were in utero. And it's the cutest thing ever. And, you know, my daughter doesn't do that anymore. And she did it when she was a baby, and I wish that I got to enjoy those little moments mm-hmm. more, because she'll never do them again. But I was so sleep deprived, and I was just waiting for things to get easier, that you almost wish time away. And you miss those, yeah, key moments. Exactly. Right? Like, I think I brought up in one of my past interviews as well, is this guy Alex Hormozzi talks about, one day you, you realise you never had another sleepover with your mates. Like, you didn't really cherish that moment. And yep. before you know it, it's gone. Exactly. Same thing. Like, you've got to exactly. cherish every moment for what it is because you never get it back. Exactly. There's all these things on, you know, social media saying, um, I don't know, like contact napping where babies or children like to sleep, like, on you. And they mm-hmm. just, you know, and you're like, oh, that's so inconvenient. I've got to go and do the washing and do this. But one day, they won't need you anymore like mm-hmm. that. They won't want to do a nap with you. And you'll be begging them, please just sit down on the couch with me for five minutes and give me a cuddle. And they'll yeah, be like, no, mum. Running around. Exactly, and, you know. Yeah. And you'll be like, why did I not revel in that when they were younger? Because you're yeah. too busy wishing for the next thing on the next stage. How have you dealt with your body image now? So on the other side. Um, 
definitely a different body looking back at me in the mirror. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel could like imagine this is one of the hard parts of pregnancy. Oh, I think it can be um, for sure. I think at the moment I'm just still so grateful that you know I look at my body mm-hmm. in the mirror and I'm like that was a home for my daughter for you know 40 weeks mm-hmm. and it grew this whole human and I think I'm just amazed at what my body's done for me mm-hmm. and I'm just so grateful for that. Um, I wouldn't say I'm at war with my body at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to the gym now has been such a good thing for me mentally to mm. be able to just move my body, albeit I said when I first went back that it was a very humbling experience to go back into the gym and pick up like a like a five kilo dumbbell and I'm like, God, that's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Always is though. Eh? <laughs> and the doms are real, you know, but Yeah. Yeah. I'm de- I'm accepting of the fact that this is where I'm at and this is the season I'm in mm-hmm. and I'm not kind of in a in a rush to, to change that. Once again, it's a good mindset. Yeah. <laughs> what excites you day to day now? Watching my daughter learn and about the world. That's mm-hmm. the best thing in the world, truly, to watch your child, like their brain pathways forming and then wake up to the world and learning. You know, like Maeve now has realised that she's got feet <laughs> and she lies there and just looks at her feet and tries to grab them. And she's just in fascination about that she's got feet. And it really like makes you slow down and be like, oh, we should appreciate that we've got feet. Yeah, yeah. You know, like how great is that? And I just, yeah, that's, oh, I love it. Are you keeping like a journal or something? I do write down key moments of times, like, you know, the first time she smiled or the first time she laughed or rolled because I want to look back and be like, that's right, you did that. And I just take a thousand photos and videos every day. Yeah. Because I want to remember these, these moments forever. Yeah. Pretty wicked, eh? Mm. Anything you'd like to add to wrap it up? No, I don't think so. Oh, I mean, I think probably going back to like new motherhood, about how it can feel quite isolating, Mm. but you were just so, so never, ever, ever alone. I'm so glad that I had so many women who had babies around a similar time to me, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them were first-time mums. Because in, you know, the 2am, 4am, 5am wake-ups and you're sitting there feeding and looking after a baby and you're messaging a mum who's on the other side of the phone who lives around the corner doing the same thing. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're not alone because sometimes yeah, you yeah, feel like yeah. you're the only person in the world who's awake, but you're not. Yeah. You know, there's mothers all over the country, all over the world doing the same thing that you're doing. And just I think just really key to, like, tap into the people going through the same thing as you because it just makes you feel so... I don't know, validated, mm. you know, oh my God, I'm so sleep deprived. And you're like, absolutely, I feel you, you know. Yeah. So next time I'm running down the road at 5am, I'll be like, oh, there's a few mothers out here. Oh, <laughs> next, next time you're coming home from a cab at three o'clock in the morning from town, be like, there's going to be a few mums up right now. And that's the thing is, you know, I'd be up on a Saturday night at 3am feeding my daughter. And I was like, I used to come home from the club at this time. Now I'm up feeding. <laughs> Life, though, just as a whole fucking 180. Oh, it's crazy. One big, crazy, beautiful ride. What does the next chapter look like for you? I don't know. I think when I think short, medium term, I can just imagine, you know, a daughter plus whether it's a daughter or son Mm -hmm. and kind of that being our family complete and then just being able to kind of raise our family and create new memories and go Mm. on family holidays and trips and teach them about the world. I think for me that's kind of my core focus for the next 
Wow, it'll be the next 18 years, really. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. Like, well, the rest time. of my life, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still lean on my mum now when I'm nearly 30, so <laughs> it's probably never ending. Tapping on your mum there, do you have an appreciation for what she went through? Oh, I bow down to that woman. I bow down to mothers everywhere after becoming a mum myself. Yeah. yeah. You, you can never, you know that women or mothers, I shouldn't even say mothers, parents in general, because, mm. you know, there's a lot of dads who stay at home as well, mm. um, and a lot of hands-on dads. You truly don't understand how hard it is and how much work goes into it until you're in it yourself. And I just look at my parents and I just bow down to them and think, I'm sorry I was such a bitch as a teenager <laughs> because I literally should have worshipped the ground you walked on. Because yeah. as a parent, you make so many sacrifices from the minute they're born until probably until the day you die. Yeah, yeah. But you do it so selflessly because mm. you love them more than anything. So go home and give your mum a big hug tonight, Mace. Yeah, okay. <laughs> also, childbirth's pretty hard. So. <laughs> but like, thanks, mum. <laughs> Finish uh, us with a quote or words of wisdom for our listeners. Yeah, I didn't write this one down. Did I send that to you? I think I did. Yeah, you did. Excuse me, guys. I think you um, kind of tapped into it earlier on, actually. So Uh, it it resonates with your keynote theme. Yeah, I think it does, actually. Oh, yeah. So don't try to change what people think about you or try to impress people by changing who you really are. Unless you're an asshole, don't be an asshole. (laughs) Just be yourself and the right people will attract themselves to you. Being able to be authentically yourself imperfections and all and have people love you for who you are I believe is truly one of life's greatest gifts so has this resonated with you more so um, post pregnancy or is this something that's actually stuck with you for quite some time definitely something that's stuck with me for quite some time Mm -hmm. probably definitely since I left university you know I've just I've got the most I look around I've got the most incredible friends and they just love me for who I am and I couldn't be more grateful for that because you never feel like you have to put on a show. Mm. You just show up. You, you're just authentically yourself and they just love you for that. Was there a point in your life post high school when like not trying to be a part of the cool kids that you kind of thought you needed to change? Uh, I mean, I definitely... I think I definitely look back on like the person I was at high school mm. and I'm not super proud of that Mm. um i mean i probably i definitely was probably a bitch at high school um and i'm not proud of that at all but post high school getting into adult life Mm. and just learning that no one really gives a shit yeah i think that yeah absolutely like you just stop stop caring caring about what people think it's kind of like if you meet someone in life and you're just yourself and they're like oh hey you're not my cup of tea I don't care. That's fine. Mm. Let's not be friends. It doesn't matter. I mean, you still give each other respect even if you don't want to be friends for sure, right? But you don't have to be friends with everybody that you meet because nobody's got that much time, you know? And especially now, like especially becoming a mother, your time is even more limited. So having I've um, resonated with that a little bit. Someone within a circle, they're like, oh, you don't like him, eh? And I'm like... I don't dislike him. I just don't vibe with him. Yeah. I respect him as a man. Like, yeah. He's a good cunt. And that's okay. But just because I don't laugh at his jokes doesn't mean I hate him. No, exactly. And you don't have to like him. You don't yeah. have to be friends with him. You don't have to be like, let's get a beer. Yeah. You're going to meet so many people in your life and you can't have time for all of them. My one this week mm-hmm. to resonate with yours is impressing people is utterly different from being impressive. I like that. 
So be impressive and not worry. Impressive in your own authenticity. Yeah. Instead of trying to impress people to fit in. Absolutely. I think if you just focus on you and being the best version of you, mm. the right people will be attracted to that. Exactly. You um people I suppose come to your overflowing cup. Hundred percent. If you wanna flip it back around to the cups. And if they don't, drink around drink out of a different cup. Hmm. You have to drink out of mine. Um, thank you so much for your precious time. Thank you. And uh, I don't know how you managed, but I don't know. I think um, I think she'll be fine. He put it. He would have put it down for a nap, so oh, he's probably not been up the other. Because when I did Holly, he was like, "Oh, we just got to get him between the sleep and oh, yeah, manage enough. just in time." I was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, perfect, nailed it." Um, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for being open. All right, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, it's always. Good for me to reconnect with people as well. I hadn't seen you in ages. I know. Um, but that's just life. Um, COVID. Yeah, in COVID. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. Um, Thanks for having me.